Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. As well, if your check engine light comes on, head to AutoZone. Their fix finder tool can check it out on the spot for free. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Hope your Monday is going well. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. And I want to start off talking about a huge bit of our audience down in the state of Texas where it is absolutely brutal right now, uh, especially in the Houston area, where I know lots of you are listening right now. Want to make sure that you know that we're all thinking about you and uh, that if you are out there right now and you've got the ability, you can donate $10 to the relief efforts going on in the Houston area. Thousand-year flood is what it is being called. And to contextualize that, it's exactly what it says that if the city of Houston exists for a thousand years, one time in that thousand years, they will have a flood like this one that is going on right now. I believe, and Jason Martin, can you confirm this is correct? The text is $10 to 90999. Am I correct in that? I believe that I am. If you go to your phones right now and you pull them out and you text 90999, you will send $10 to the American Red Cross. I have done that. It's an easy thing to do. You guys can do that as well. But again, for everybody out there listening right now, we've got a huge audience in Houston and the surrounding Texas region. Uh, Stay as safe as you can if you are able only to stay in touch via the radio. Um, I hope that uh, that we can help you out a little bit um, by uh, just taking you back into the world of, uh, of, of sports for as uh, short of a period as it may be. But again, 
909-990-9999 is the Houston Red Cross text number that you can send out, and $10 automatically will go to the relief effort from you for doing that. Obviously, many people, you can give a lot more. I saw J.J. Watt is attempting to raise, I believe it's half a million dollars now. Uh, There are uh, a lot of different individuals trying to do their best, and what I have seen of that area, I'm a I'm a big fan of the uh, the city of Houston, fourth largest city in the nation's area. Is that uh, the people come together and do their best, even in the face of the worst? And I lived through a situation like this, uh, basically a 500 year, a thousand year flood in the city of Nashville where I live. Hit God, it's probably been seven or eight years ago now, uh, basically. Which, uh, which I mean, the city of Nashville was there was standing water downtown everywhere, um, biggest flood in 500 or a thousand years for Nashville as well, and uh, it's an overwhelming experience. So for everybody out there, uh, probably a lot of you listening right now, you know, helping, uh, a lot of you doing everything that you can, and uh, obviously there's a big audience of people there. So I wanted to start the show saying uh, we wishing we're wishing you the best and uh, and hoping for. Uh, you guys continuing to be able to triumph over what are incredibly trying conditions. So that's the big story going on. If you haven't paid attention to that, it is uh, it is kind of earth shattering to see some of the uh, some of the devastation that has been wrought there. And frankly, you won't know exactly how bad that devastation is until the waters recede and you can actually see what took place there. Uh, but some of the pictures and video and imagery that has uh, already emerged from that city. Uh, show you that it's going to be a a long time of recovery in what has been a a crushing natural disaster. So, best of luck to Houston and the surrounding areas in Texas, uh, and uh, hopefully we can do something a little bit more than what we're doing right now eventually uh, on behalf of uh, OutKick and all our audience down there. Having said that, let's move into much less serious things, but something that I think a lot of you were watching last night, I or, or sorry, Saturday night, I ordered the fight. We have talked a lot about what Mayweather-McGregor was going to be like on this show since it was announced. And I watched the fight like a lot of you did late on Saturday night. It wasn't until after midnight Eastern that McGregor and Mayweather finally got into the ring. And I've got to tell you, I think as much as Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, we talked about it. And as much as I expected Floyd Mayweather, if you listen to this show, to go 50-0, and I think the biggest winner by far was Conor McGregor. Because in his first ever boxing match, he went 10 rounds with maybe the greatest pound-for-pound boxer to ever lace up gloves. McGregor is 40 years old. I mean, sorry, he's 28 years old. Mayweather is 40. Mayweather is going to ride off into the sunset. Maybe he'll do another fight. My bet would actually be that he never does another fight. Meanwhile, Conor McGregor is just 28 years old, and he has so many different options that are out there for him now. He can go back to MMA and fight Nate Diaz and make $50, $60 million. He's forever exploded the dynamic about exactly what MMA fighters are worth. He can go fight somebody else in boxing and produce, I think, a huge audience. This story, to me, is an extraordinary one. He went into the ring 
and fought for 10 rounds against one of the greatest fighters, if not the greatest fighter, pound for pound in the history of the sport, and didn't look out of sorts at all. He was better in this fight than Pacquiao was in his fight. Now, you can say that Floyd Mayweather had control of the fight. You can say that Floyd Mayweather fought him more aggressively because he did not fear being knocked out. But I actually thought Mayweather took a lot more damage in this fight than any fight recently that I've seen Floyd Mayweather be involved in. And in the first round, McGregor caught him pretty good with that uppercut. McGregor, I think, won the first two or three rounds on the card. Now, partly that was by design because Floyd Mayweather wanted Conor McGregor to tire himself out. And there's no doubt that McGregor didn't have the endurance to get it to a 12-round decision and that Mayweather really kind of put it on McGregor down the stretch. Maybe he could have knocked him out in the ninth round. Really, the ninth round was when he completely took control. But I got to tell you, I think that McGregor is by far the biggest winner here because all the people who watched McGregor fight Mayweather are probably likely to end up wanting to watch McGregor whatever he does next. And I think he vastly exceeded expectations. I don't even think it's close in terms of what I expected versus what I got. I did not think there was any way that Conor McGregor was going to be able to win this fight. And I do think, even if they got a rematch, conditioning-wise, I don't know that McGregor could have done any more because I, I just I, I don't know that you can prepare for the amount of time and what it's required to be in a boxing match like this one without having basically spent a career boxing. I mean, the reason why Mayweather is such in, in such incredible shape is because he's been training as a boxer for 35 years. Whereas Conor McGregor just stepped in, and you could see in all the different ways that they were clasping one another, how frequently McGregor's natural reaction was to go back to MMA. I said that I thought in this fight it would have been a lot more exciting if we had known that if McGregor lasted 11 rounds, then in the 12th round they got to fight MMA style. Now, maybe he still wouldn't have lasted at all, but that would have added a lot of pressure to this fight. If McGregor had been able to go 11 rounds, then in 12 rounds, all of a sudden the rules were out the window and the 12th round was an MMA fight. And then everybody would have been fighting and arguing about whether or not there was any possibility of Conor McGregor being able to get it to a 12th round. But everybody that I watched the fight with, good group of people, probably a lot of you watching it in groups as well, I thought it was insanely entertaining. I thought it was well worth the money. I thought that sham or not, in the initial preliminary aspect of this idea, the fact that Conor McGregor, a guy who had never fought in a professional boxing match, managed to pull this off, fight against the greatest pound-for-pound fighter potentially ever, and acquit himself so well that he got more hits on Mayweather than just about anybody who's ever fought Mayweather, with the exception of a 12-round match a few years ago. I just, I, I, I'm kind of in awe over how good Conor McGregor was and over how much he has burnished his brand 
for the years ahead. I don't know how many more times McGregor's going to fight, but I think it's going to be something that everybody pays attention to. And I thought even the way it finished with somehow Conor McGregor unable to go down, out on his feet, but unwilling. And I think we have audio of McGregor, if you guys have this, can pull it up, of McGregor saying, at least let him put me down on the ground. Let me listen to that, because I think this also helped Conor McGregor. He's like, look, I've been choked on national television. I've been choked out in, by Nate Diaz on TV, at least to let him put me on the ground. Here was Conor McGregor immediately after the fight. That's exactly what it is. It's fatigue. That's why I thought the ref could have just let it keep going. Let, let me go down. Let the man put me down. Like wobbly and fatigue, that's energy. That's not damage. I'm clear-headed. And he was. I mean, immediately after the fight, I mean, it was hard to, to look at him and think that there was any kind of long-range damage that he had faced from that fight at all. Now, of course, this is the same guy who was able to be interviewed after getting choked out in an MMA fight. I mean, it's amazing to me how often MMA fighters get choked out, you know, see stars, literally pass out, and then next thing you know, they're back up being interviewed. But I thought both he and Mayweather did fantastically well. I think they created probably what's going to end up being the biggest pay-per-view buy in the history of American sports. And frankly, how good was it if they fought again? I would encourage everybody that it was worth the 100 bucks to go back and buy it again. Now, I don't know how many of you had issues with the streaming, whether you missed it. Um, you guys can call in. I'll take your calls on this fight. 877-996-6369 is the number. 877-996-6369. Also want to let you know, final hour of the show, uh, so hour three, we're going to have Britt McHenry on and we will talk about the finale of Game of Thrones. And that was a spectacular finale for the tens of millions of you out there that watched that as well. Your call's next, and I'll bring in the crew and see what they thought of the fight. But first, I want to tell you, here are some car laws you might not know about. In Alabama, it's illegal to drive blindfolded. In Oklahoma, it's illegal to read comic books while driving. And in Russia, it's illegal to drive a dirty car. And here's something else you might not know about cars that's really helpful and won't get you in trouble with the law. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right, TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. Here's something else you might not know. TrueCar users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance or reacting to Mayweather and McGregor. And everything from that fight this weekend, which I'm sure many of you were watching as well. Let's bring in the crew, Jason Martin in Nashville, Danny G and Robert, and sorry, Danny G and Justin out in L.A. Boys, what did you think of the fight between Mayweather and McGregor overall? And did you agree with me that McGregor is the biggest winner despite losing over the next several years? He's done more for his career, I thought, with a loss than Mayweather did with a win. He's going to command a ton of money. 
whatever it is that he chooses to do next. He's talked about the trilogy fight with Nate Diaz, which would be enormous business, obviously. Whatever it is that he wants to do, people are going to follow him to do it because of the way this went down. I think maybe so many people had figured that this was going to turn out to be some kind of farce that it exceeded every expectation very early and then it continued to exceed expectations in the way that it was such an entertaining fight that the first thing I thought about when it was over was, well, they certainly didn't steal my money. This was 10 times more entertaining to me than Pacquiao Mayweather by a long shot. The judges' scorecards were absurd. The 89-81 and the 89-82 were just completely off the reservation. Made no sense whatsoever. It was pretty clear what was happening in the fight. Mayweather didn't think that Connor was going to be able to knock him down or hit him with much power. He did catch him with that one uppercut. But Mayweather was smiling at him, and Mayweather was in superior boxing condition. I think that when I saw this fight was over was the fifth round, between the fifth and the sixth. That's when you could see Connor when he was sitting down in the corner he was sucking wind. He was tired. He was beat. He had thrown all of his heavy shots. Floyd was ready for him. And you mentioned him going to MMA. Yeah, pretty much any time Floyd would even begin to turn around, he would take a hammer fist to the back of his head. But just in terms of an event, this exceeded – look, it, it didn't exceed the hype because nothing was going to exceed the hype, but it exceeded the sports value and just the entertainment value and I think that both guys actually did themselves a favor, but Connor was going to come out the winner here no matter what as long as he didn't get embarrassed. And not only did he not get embarrassed, he acquitted himself far better than I think anybody had any reasonable right to expect. He was entertaining. He was classy. Uh, the fight needed to be stopped. He hadn't thrown a punch in over 60 seconds at that point. He was definitely taking some shots. He didn't even argue at the moment. And then in his promo, he did do exactly what he should have done in that spot, which is, yeah, you could have knocked me down. But just as a whole, I just found this to be wildly entertaining. Like, I had a smile on my face at the end of it. I was done with the hype. Uh, you know, I know the the week of the fight, everybody was talking about it. I was kind of done by that point. But at the same moment, at the end of the fight, like, I don't want to see a rematch. Like, I've, I know how this would go in a, in a case of a rematch. But this was a really, really entertaining event. I'm glad I saw it. They didn't steal anybody's money. This was a good night, I think, for all of combat sports. I think it was good for boxing. I think it was good for MMA. And certainly it was great for the bank account of Conor McGregor, who can basically just name the amount that he wants to get paid and he's going to be able to be worth it. I thought it was big for MMA, too, because there have been a lot of people out there who are MMA or boxing fans, one or the other. And I think the fact that Conor McGregor, who is an unquestioned top draw in the MMA, could step into a ring with Floyd Mayweather and you take away whatever it is, 90% of his combat skills and don't allow him to use them in a boxing ring and he is still able to really look like he belongs in the ring against one of the greatest pound-for-pound boxers of all time. I mean, there's nobody out there that would agree, that would disagree that if suddenly they had to, in two months or three months, do an MMA fight, that Conor McGregor would choke out Floyd Mayweather within the first round, even if Mayweather trained. That's how much. That's how difficult it would be for Mayweather to acquire the skills that he would need to be able to be competitive at a high level in MMA. And I don't think there's any way that Mayweather would be able to knock out Conor McGregor before McGregor got him on the ground and choked him out. And so for me, big win for MMA – And I think it speaks to the trouble that boxing is in, 
that one of the biggest draws they can possibly have is for a guy who's never boxed before to box. And I don't think that's very good for the long-range future of boxing. We'll bring in the crew out in L.A. You guys watched as well, I'm assuming, and were your thoughts similar to ours or different? Yeah, no, I I think uh, I'll let Justin go next. Uh, I don't want to speak for him, but it definitely – it's strange how it took McGregor to bring out finally a fun fight to watch that, you know, for for money. To bring out the best for Mayweather. You're right. There's no doubt. It's crazy because, uh, like you were saying about Pacquiao, if you would have got on the air Friday morning, Clay, and said, uh, watch watch, uh, Conor land more punches than Pacquiao did, against Mayweather nobody would have believed you so it's it's pretty amazing that uh, Connor was able to land 111 punches to Pacquiao's 81 that fight was a, a lot of fun to watch had me and my girlfriend jumping around rooting for Connor and you, you know it's, it's just a it's a shame that he didn't have a little bit more boxing experience because to start out the ninth round do you remember that vicious body shot he gave money um he just was too tired, though, to string together a strong enough flurry to to really do any damage to Floyd. Connor just ran out of steam, but he showed up just like I thought he would. He showed a ton of heart, and it, it made for a, a great weekend. I think Mayweather took more punishment than anybody could have reasonably expected in this fight. I mean, the over-under in terms of expectation that you could bet on prop bets was whether Connor McGregor was going to land over-under 29.5 punches. And he landed, what would you say, 111. And he lasted until the 10th round. If he could have taken it to decision, it would have been even wilder, even though I agree with Jason Martin on the judges' scorecards. I have no idea what they were watching. I don't know how any reasonable person could have watched the first three rounds and not given them all to Conor McGregor, especially because... Mayweather barely did anything. I think Floyd he was threw just six basic- punches in the first two rounds each. That's a, that's what he he threw six punches in the first round and six in the second. Like how the hell does Connor not win both of those rounds? Yeah, it's it's crazy that he didn't, and that's why in general I said before on this show I don't trust boxing judges. I just don't. Um, somebody emailed me and said, were they distracted by the Corona girls? What were they watching in the first three rounds? That that was not an easy win for Connor McGregor. I I don't know. Um, honestly, I, I don't know how anybody could watch that fight and not have scored Conor McGregor the winner in the first three rounds. Now, granted, again, Mayweather is one of the greatest pound-for-pound, pound, if not the greatest pound-for-pound pound fighters of all time. But why I thought this was crazy to begin with was the very idea that Conor McGregor could step into the ring and acquit himself in a way that he didn't look out of place. And it's almost unheard of to think of somebody being able to pull this off. It's 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 as if, I'm trying to think of who would be a, a really good athlete. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a little bit, I guess, like Brock Lesnar going from the WWE to actual MMA uh, and, and going into a real fight as opposed to a, uh, to a fake fight. I mean, it's, it's like a guy who plays in the NBA suddenly going and playing tight end in an NFL game and looking like he belongs on the field. I mean, that would be a really int- impressive accomplishment, but I think you would have to acknowledge that whoever did that would be a supreme athlete. To me, I leave thinking, man, Conor McGregor is even a better athlete than I would have anticipated before. What about you, Justin? Any additional thoughts? I mean, mostly my, my first thought was the same thing that Jason said, was because initially when I when I purchased this pay-per-view, I thought, okay, I'm just I'm flushing 100 bucks down the toilet. Here we go. 
And then afterwards, I was like, okay, you know, yeah, all right. I, I was happy with that. Now, the, the second thing, because I was rooting for, for Connor the entire time, and I, I wish he had taken a, a bit of a, a different approach. I don't know if you watched the pay-per-view at all, like, before the match, but leading up to it, he, he gave, like, an interview in the, in the locker room. while Yeah, he was with Jim Gray. Up. Yeah, and he said that, now, I don't know how true this is, but he said he was closer to 170 at that moment. And... I think that was, you know, a bad move because he's he's bigger. He's gonna it gets tired faster, and I I don't think that they. I feel like you should have seen that coming that that he was gonna wear down. I think he was too confident in his ability to put Mayweather down early. He connected on that that uppercut, and he he undermest, uh, underestimated uh, Mayweather's chin. Yeah, I mean, I think he also probably overestimated the bit of striking power he was gonna have, but. To me, that's how he knew he had to win. I, I think he was aware, look, I'm not going to win a 12-round decision fight. Uh, so I need to bring a lot to bear in the first several rounds and see if I can actually put some pain and and and, and inflict some, uh, some punishment on Mayweather. To me, that's him saying, look, I'm trying to win this thing, which even if it were never very likely, I think it was a lot likelier than just about everybody out there would have expected given the fact that Mayweather is one of the best, again, fighters in the history of the world. And McGregor has never been in the ring for an officially sanctioned bout. It's just, it's amazing when you look at it from that perspective. 877-996-6369. We'll take your calls on this on the flip side. But first, let's go to Eddie Garcia. And I'm curious, Eddie, did you buy this fight? What did you think? of it? What was your verdict overall? Uh, yes, I did. Um, I thought that uh, Floyd was pretty much in control uh, the entire fight. Uh, one thing I will say about the fir- the beginning of the fight, I watched it a second time after the fact. I don't know if any of you guys did. And when I watched it the second time, I didn't think McGregor was as impressive. I think we were also shocked he was competitive early on that maybe we all gave him a little bit higher marks than maybe he deserved. But that was that was my take on it. Hey, let's check in on some baseball scores from last night in the National League. The Brewers down the Dodgers 3-2. L.A. lost 2-3 of three to Milwaukee. They lose the series, and that's the first time they've lost the series since early June. Phillies beat the Cubs 6-3. Philadelphia rookie Reese Hoskins hit a home run. Fifth straight game, he's done that. He's hit 11 home runs in his first 18 career games. Nobody's done that before. Chicago's leading the NL Central's down to two games on Milwaukee. Marlins beat the Padres 6-2. Giancarlo Stanton hit a two-run homer, his 50th of the season. He now has 17 home runs this month. Mets and Nationals split a doubleheader in D.C. Mets win the first game 6-5. Nationals take the second game 5-4. Diamondbacks shut off the Giants 11-0. Arizona gets a series sweep of San Francisco. Rockies blank the Braves 3-zip. Pirates over the Reds 5-2. And in the NFL news, the league's reportedly going to slap Bengals linebacker Vontez Burvick with a five-game suspension for an illegal hit in the team's second preseason game against Kansas City. Burvick is a repeat offender. He's appealing. And the Browns have named rookie quarterback Deshaun Kaiser as their starting quarterback for week one against the Steelers. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, my thanks there, Eddie Garcia, for the update. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience let's go to ralph down in florida what's up ralph hey nice thanks thanks for being on the air so i mean can this invigorate boxing can i mean do you have 
do you have guys in MMA right now that maybe aren't so good on the ground that are great strikers that say, geez, you know, maybe, maybe I ought to jump in the boxing for these paydays. You know, maybe I can do this. I mean, can this invigorate the sport somehow? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I thought one of the most interesting things that, uh, that Dana White said leading up to this fight was that Conor McGregor is a bigger global superstar than Floyd Mayweather. And some of you may be out there like recoiling, saying you're crazy. But I do think that's true from a global perspective because MMA has become a better sport at creating superstars than boxing has. And now I think that's a little bit of a challenge, right? The MMA in general with the UFC, they sold for $4 billion, I think it was, to William Morris Endeavor, the big Hollywood agency. I think I'm correct in that. One of you guys can correct me if I'm not. I think they sold for $4 billion. And as part of that sales process, one of the big questions that was hanging out there was, can the UFC consistently produce superstars? Because obviously they created Ronda Rousey. I think she got married at the same time that this fight was taking place. It's fair to say that Ronda Rousey was like a meteor streaking across the night sky. Her career is probably over. Is there anyone right now in MMA for women that is anywhere near where Ronda Rousey was? No. Is there anyone else near where Conor McGregor is right now for the MMA, uh, for the UFC? No. And the question that I think is a incredibly interesting one is if you're making that investment in the UFC, are they aberrations? In other words, was the rise of Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey and all the other people who become superstars a function of right time, right place, and they're not easy to replicate? Or does it basically mean that the UFC has created this star-making ability where their distribution network and their product is so good that there will always be new superstars stepping up to take over for the ones that they left behind? And that's not an easy answer. Because they're fortunate now with the way that Conor McGregor came off in this fight. The next time that he fights, and probably be against Nate Diaz, will be a massive payday for the UFC. And if Conor McGregor is going to fight for three or four more years, then they're in really good shape over the next three or four more years because his celebrity is such that it transfers over to whoever he fights. Does that make sense? Um, If you create a great business, then your business creates the stars too. It used to be that way, for instance, with the NBA, right? Um, The NBA had a great deal of difficulty after Michael Jordan left because Jordan was not a replicatable star. In other words, as good as the Warriors and LeBron are right now as a storyline, they're not even close to being able to reclaim the audience that Michael Jordan created for the NBA. Because Michael Jordan brought in people who otherwise were not sports fans who aggressively followed the sport. There aren't really any other great examples like that. Maybe for boxing, Mike Tyson, where right now when you guys think, I bet if I said, name a fighter that you would pay $250 right now to see fight in his prime, I bet most of you immediately think Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali. Right, I bet by far those are the first two guys that you that you think of. Not, and I'm not talking about hardcore boxing guy out there who's got several other names. I'm talking about your average person out there. Guys that translate and transfer and are bigger than their sport themselves. Jordan, Ali, Mike Tyson. The NFL really doesn't have that, right? As good as Brady was, as good as Manning is, 
the sport is so strong that it creates its own stars almost overnight. Dak Prescott's a great example. The NFL brand is so strong that Dak Prescott, as good as he was in the SEC, was relatively anonymous to a large number of NFL fans. And by the end of his first year, he's a superstar. Same thing with Zeke Elliott. The NFL is such a great star-creating brand that as soon as those guys are there, they become stars. But they don't become bigger than the sport. The minute they stop playing football, they're gone and they're easily replaced by someone else. That in and of itself is the question that the UFC has. Are their superstars more like Jordan in the NBA, where the people who come in are casual fans and they're going to leave after? Or is that a function of the sport itself creating the stars? The NFL is the gold standard. The NFL is the gold standard. Deshaun Kaiser is starting for the Browns. If he's really good as a rookie, by week six, everybody will know a ton about Deshaun Kaiser. Because the NFL at the quarterback position and other positions creates superstars overnight because the brand is so strong that the players can be replaced and everything continues to go smoothly. When you think about it, that's rare in the world of sports. Is the UFC going to be that or not? I don't know. I don't know whether the UFC is going to be that sport, but that's what you hope. Boxing doesn't have it. Boxing needs for guys to become superstars outside of boxing itself. Outside of Mayweather, there's nobody in boxing right now that's going to produce a massive audience. There are boxing fans that are going to say, oh, you know, like, who's your guy out there, Eddie G? What's the fight in September? Canelo and Triple G, right? Yeah, Canelo and Triple G. It's like 5% the interest of Mayweather McGregor. Right? I mean, even though it's two guys who are professional fighters that there should be a lot of interest for, that fight's having in September, 5 or 10% of the people that watched Mayweather McGregor will get that fight. And that's because they don't translate anymore over and over, over and above the sport itself. Is McGregor bigger than the UFC or will his star transfer to other people that he fights against? Is it basically a function of the UFC's brand? Easy example otherwise. For a long time in the, at ESPN, they were like, what matters is our distribution network, not the talent on the air. We'll let Aaron Andrews leave. We'll let Colin Cowherd leave. We'll let Skip Bayless leave. It's our distribution network that makes stars. We're bigger than any individual talent. I don't think that's really true anymore, but I do think it was true for like 20 years. Other than Dan Patrick, who left ESPN and was better. For about 20 years, there was almost no one that left ESPN and was better than when when they were there. That's a function of the strength of ESPN's business. Nowadays, I think that's less so. Your calls, 877-996-6369. We'll finish off the final hour. Then we'll dive into the into uh, NFL preseason Julian Edelman out three weeks in the books. What do we think as the NFL kickoff looms closer and closer? Plus, God bless it all. College football is officially back. Big week of games. We'll talk about that as well here on Fox Sports Radio. Stop into your local AutoZone for the parts, products, and helpful advice you need to get the job done right. Let's get you what you need. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Talking about this Connor McGregor have... 
unique star power for the UFC, or is he a replicatable dynamic whose talent and basically interest level can translate to his opponents? Jason Martin, you're pointing out Tiger Woods as being up there with Michael Jordan is probably the other great example. And then, again, I would say Mike Tyson and Ali back in the day of guys whose talent far exceeds the sport that they're involved in. Maybe Puyasik, if I'm saying his name correctly, could be that for soccer. You know, we've never had somebody, for instance, in soccer. Some sports have never even had this guy, right? In the history of American sports, most of the time we've had a guy who's been able to translate bigger than his sport himself. Certainly that happens, for instance, in like Olympic sports all the time, right? Like a sprinter or a or a, a an ice dancer or ice skater, whatever it is, people that are bigger than the sport that they're involved in. Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding back in the day, you go look at the television ratings, they were certainly much bigger than ice skating. And Tiger Woods is much bigger than golf. Michael Jordan was much bigger than basketball. I don't think football's ever had one. A guy who's bigger than the sport, maybe Joe Namath back in the day, I don't know. But I think football's always been so big that it's impossible. And that's the question for Conor McGregor in UFC. To what extent is his star power replicatable? Because he's much bigger than MMA right now. The biggest star, I think it's fair to say, in the history of MMA in terms of a guy who transfers outside of the sport. And people always get worked up when I make this argument because they're like, oh, I... I, I, you're wrong, like uh, so-and-so, and they name a guy, and I'm like, that's because you're a fan of the sport. That's why you know that person. Ronda Rousey was bigger than the UFC, and Conor McGregor is as well. Is that a replicatable element, or did those guys have unique charisma that is not going to be found very often in combat sports? That's a big decision that the UFC has to reconcile because I think the fact that they sold for $4 billion was predicated in a large degree on Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey and the idea that William Morris Endeavor, the agency that bought them, was going to be able to replicate them. I don't know if they are. Do you think they'll be able to, Jason? I don't know because, look, I'm going to put on my pro wrestling hat for just a second and talk about Ric Flair. Nobody would have known who Sting was if it wasn't for the Clash of Champions in 1988 where he fought Ric Flair for 45 minutes on TBS in front of a worldwide audience for free the day of WrestleMania. The question was, after you get that rub from working with Ric Flair, do you have the charisma to keep that up? Anybody that fights against Conor McGregor right now is going to be a bigger star as a result of fighting Conor McGregor. He has a unique ability, as do very, very few, as you've talked about, to be able, because he's so controversial, to bring people to the table both on his side and against him. What we have not seen consistently is anybody that has gone into the octagon with Conor McGregor and been able to really maintain it other than Nate Diaz because he has sort of an, I don't know, there's something unique about Nate Diaz. But the difference between Conor McGregor and so many of these other people is Conor McGregor can talk you into the building, and then he actually backs it up when he's in there. He is such a character. His charisma is so far beyond just about anything we've ever seen, certainly in MMA, but but you know, other than Ali and a very select few others, he's on the Mount Rushmore in terms of charisma and knowing how to sell himself and building a brand. Conor McGregor is so far beyond the UFC and what's out there. And you think about who he could fight, I mean, I don't know. Other than Nate Diaz, there's really nobody else that even stands out. Like nobody knows any of the people that Conor has fought now. Like if you go back and like, well, who did Conor fight? Yeah. You don't really remember. You remember it in the moment, 
because Connor is selling it with embedded, and of course, you know, you go nose to nose with Connor, and he'll throw a water bottle or or whatever, and he'll bring out the best in you. The problem is, can any of these people then actually? make money off that after the fact and the and the answer has been no you know you're going to get a good buy rate you're going to make a lot of money working with connor and then it's up to you and unfortunately a lot of these fighters are pretty dull once you get past connor there's nothing else left well, that's not what only has that. to happen you have to have another guy like connor that knows how to use this to his advantage i think that ronda rousey is the easiest example I mean, I bet most people listening to us right now cannot even name the two people who beat Ronda Rousey. Obviously, Holly Holm, who immediately vanishes, and I believe it was Misha Tate, right? Am I correct in that? I, 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 can't, I, I watched those fights, and I can't even very well remember who beat her, and almost zero interest in those women's careers going forward. And that's an indictment of the UFC. That's what the UFC's got to be afraid of, is that I'm a guy who watches casually and cares about big stars and big events. And I cared about Ronda Rousey. I cared about those fights with Ronda Rousey, but none of her charisma and dominance transferred to the people who beat her. Just to prove just your point, happen. it was Amanda Nunez, not uh, Misha yes. There you go. <laughs> right? I mean, it didn't even, like, I know she fought Misha, but I can't even remember how many people out Misha there are like, Holly Holm. I can't wait to fight. I can't wait to go watch the new Amanda Nunez fight. Like, there's not a single person out there right now, maybe unless Amanda Nunez's boyfriend or, or mom are listening right now that are like, oh, I'm, I'm paying 100, 100 bucks to watch her fight. And I, I think that is a, uh, that's a tremendous indictment of the UFC in general. And by the way, boxing has got it even more because at least Conor McGregor is still in the UFC. Boxing is dead. I mean, totally and completely, to me, dead as a sport. It speaks to how rough boxing's condition is that you have to bring in a guy from the MMA to fight to be able to create any kind of luster or excitement. Next hour, college football is here. NFL Week 3 is in the books. We're going to talk about both of those. I can't wait for this weekend when Bama is going to play Florida State and Michigan is going to play Florida. Who's got more at stake among those four teams? Answer might surprise you. We'll talk about that next. Week of college football is here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. As well, if your check engine light comes on, head to AutoZone. Their fix finder tool can check it on the spot for free. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Said we're going to pivot to football. One, the Julian Edelman injury is, to me, just further evidence. I saw the math, unless this changed last night, there have been 24 guys who have torn their ACLs so far in the NFL preseason. I find the NFL preseason to be a complete joke. I don't know why we can have Alabama play Florida State, Michigan play Florida, the two best games of the college football opening weekend happening this Saturday. And we're going to have 17 and 18-year-old kids, literally, whose last game was in a high school football stadium in front of 500 people, now playing in front of millions without a single preseason game. And in the NFL, we need preseason football. I'm not saying that you can't have a couple of games. I think four is insanity. I really do. And I almost would be of the opinion that I wouldn't play a single starter in these games. I, I just, I don't think the payoff is worth it. 
I would rather my guys get into football shape in the first couple of weeks and not be firing on all cylinders for the first couple of weeks than have people get injured and miss the entire season in games that really don't matter very much. And I just don't think that football is a sport that can be played at half speed. Now, yes, are there five or six guys on every roster that you don't know what the bottom of the roster is going to look like? 53 guys are going to make the roster. By and large, just about every team in an NFL right now when they start camp, there's about 47 guys, probably, 45 to 47, that most teams feel pretty confident are going to be on the roster. So at most, there's seven or eight spots open, and that can depend on how the health is at other positions, everything else. I know you got over 90 guys or whatever the math is in the camp. Let those guys play if you need to. Let the bottom 20, you know, take the top 25 of your roster off. Don't ever play them. That's what I would do. It just drags on forever. I don't think it makes sense. I think this is a big topic of discussion for the NFL when the next collective bargaining agreement comes up. If I were waving my magic wand and they said, Clay, what can you do to make the NFL better than it already is? I would argue that we should go to 18 regular season games and knock it down to two preseason games and almost hardly play the starters at all and add in a bunch of bye weeks and continue the NFL season so that it finishes at the end of February. That's what I would do. I would roll out the NFL season so it always ends on President's Day weekend and turn President's Day weekend into basically a national sports holiday. Because right now, President's Day weekend is like that that holiday in February that some of you get that you're always kind of surprised that you get. It's a week that I'm going to be on vacation pretty much every year that I do this show. Because I'm like, why wouldn't I take President's Day weekend? I'm not going to, that Monday, it's a good time to be off after the Super Bowl. And I can get my kids out of school. We'll miss a few days of school. We can go away for a week. Because I don't take any time off. And just about nobody in my business does. From football season, the only day that I'll miss, the only days that I'll miss, Thanksgiving and Christmas, between now and February. So I'm locked and loaded for about six months straight. And almost no one in my business who's, who covers sports or is in the sports industry will take off any days during football season. Because this is the season that dominates our industry. And so to me, the way to finish off football even better than it ends now would be to turn it into a long holiday so that Super Bowl Monday is the immediate aftermath of the Super Bowl. And that turns into like a national sporting calendar holiday. But I just find, I mean, of all the things that go on right now in sports, to me, the NFL preseason is most in need of reworking. And I'm a season ticket holder, so the money at stake here really doesn't matter. Right? I mean, the money at stake, I would pay. I said this on the show the other day. So I, if you're an NFL season ticket holder, and I'm sure a lot of you out there all over the country are, there are 10 games that you have to pay for. And I don't have really high-end seats. I'm a regular guy when it comes to my seats. I'm paying $75 per ticket, and I've got a couple. So I pay $150 per game times 10, $1,500 basically a year for my season tickets. If you told me that I had to pay, so $1,500 divided by eight, somebody do the math on that, I would pay basically 20% more for my regular season tickets and give up the two games in the preseason that I have tickets for and not feel worse for the wear for that. If you told me right now you're going to have to pay, 
whatever the math is on that, $87 per, I think that's right, $87 per regular season game. I'd be perfectly fine with it. You wouldn't hear me complain at all about the fact that my season ticket price went up if I had to do that. $100 a regular season, whatever. Because I'm paying for the regular season. So the fact that I have to pay for two preseason games, the same cost, is to me a a fundamentally broken aspect of this system. But I look at what's going on right now in college football, and we have got two incredible games, lots of good games, but I would say two incredible, you have to make sure you're going to watch these games. I always like to look at the college football schedule and basically say, okay, if I only had to pick one or two games to watch on Saturday, what would I watch? A lot of people have different obligations. College football, I think, is better than the NFL in terms of its viewership because you can watch every game that matters. Starting at 11 a.m. on pretty much every Saturday, I will watch college football games from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. That's what I do on Saturday. I sit and I watch every college football game that matters at all. Now, I didn't watch this opening weekend, so I kind of feel like that didn't really count. I watched Mayweather-McGregor. I ran around with my family. I wasn't plugged in to college football last weekend. I will be this weekend. And I will start on Thursday when I watch Ohio State play against Indiana. I can't wait to watch that game. That's a pretty good Thursday night football game. How good are the Buckeyes going to be? They're going on the road against Indiana. 21-point favorites. I'll pay attention to the FS1 game. How's Oklahoma State going to look? Top 10 team. Mike Gundy may be the most underrated coach in America. That's the opening Thursday night. Friday night, I'll even watch. A lot of this is going to be because I'm gambling. But I'll put some money on. I've already bet. I've got money. I'm an idiot, maybe. I took Rutgers plus 31. I'll tell you in advance. And I took the over in Ohio State, Indiana. But by the time we get to Saturday... We get to Saturday, which games am I 100% going to watch? And if I could only pick two, which would I watch on Saturdays? Not even a challenge. Michigan-Florida, going to be on at 3.30 Eastern on ABC from down in Dallas, I believe. And then I'll be at this game, and I can't wait to see it. Florida State-Bama. As good of a game as has ever existed to begin a college football season. Florida State and Alabama are going to trot out 18-year-old kids who have never played in a college football game before, and their first game is going to be this massive theater opening the new arena, opening the new football stadium in Atlanta, and it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before because we've never had an opener that I can remember between number one and number three. So that game at 8 o'clock Eastern, I'll be in in uh, in the football stadium there. And by the way, we are doing the show live on Monday and Tuesday from Atlanta. Monday and Tuesday, we'll be doing the radio show live from Atlanta because they've got two really awesome games. They've got Florida State-Alabama on that Saturday. And then on Monday, the only game that's going on, the only game in town because Monday Night Football has not started yet, Tennessee plays Georgia Tech. So that is the game for basically Monday Night Football, 8 o'clock on Monday. And by the way, we're not taking off Labor Day. A lot of people will take Labor Day off because Labor Day is a holiday. I I don't ever take Labor Day off because that's the first Monday after the college football season. And I know everybody, even if you're working, wants to wake up and listen. And frankly, a lot of you don't get that day off. 
So we will be in live a week from today on Labor Day. Not a long weekend here. We'll be live with you guys as we always are from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. But both those games are going on in Atlanta. But if you had to pick two games to watch, I think just about every single person out there right now would say, I want to watch Michigan-Florida and I want to watch Alabama-Florida State. Now, Alabama-Florida State is a massive game. But whatever happens in that game, if the other team wins their next 12 games, it won't matter what happened in this game, right? In other words, if Alabama beats Florida State and Florida State goes on and wins the ACC and wins their next 12 games, then this opener won't matter and Alabama and Florida State very well could finish the season playing in Atlanta again because that's where the national title game is going to be this year. If Alabama loses to Florida State and then wins the next 12 and runs through the SEC like a hot knife through butter, which is what they've been doing so far, that game won't matter. I got a crazy idea for you. I think the game that matters the most in week one in college football could be Michigan against Florida. I'm going to make the case for why Michigan versus Florida is the biggest, most important game in college football for that exact reason. Because I think Alabama and Florida State are both so good Whoever loses this game is probably still in the mix to make the playoff. I think certainly whoever wins the game then has an extra game they can lose and they'll still be in the mix for the playoff. But Michigan-Florida, I think, may have more at stake. I'll explain why on the flip side. But first, you've been waiting for this since February 6th. Football season is almost here And there's no better way to get close to the game you love than with DraftKings. One week fantasy football. To celebrate, DraftKings is hosting, and I can't believe this is true, but it is, a $100,000 contest that's totally free to enter. That's cool. But if you draft the perfect lineup, you win $1 billion. Yes, $1 billion, just like it is a fake, unbelievable uh, television series there, the movie. Austin Powers, $1 billion. This is real life. With DraftKings, there are many ways to play. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of your friends. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of a similar skill level. Best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. So get to DraftKings.com now and use promo code OUTKICK to play in DraftKings free week one contest with $100,000 in total prizes. And... If you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. That's promo code OUTKICK to play for your shot to win a $1 billion week one. This is real life. The contest, totally free to enter. Why wouldn't you try DraftKings? The game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And I said before we went to break that I was going to make the case for why Florida-Michigan is the most important game of the opening weekend. Not the best. Best game is Alabama against Florida State. But I think at this point in time, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban have done enough that whoever wins that game, and I think it's going to be Bama. I think Bama is going to beat Florida State. You look at what Nick Saban's teams have typically done in the first game of the season. They show up ready to play. 
I think Bama is going to beat Florida State, but I don't think it's the death nail for Florida State's season by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I think Florida State will be favored in every other game that they play for the rest of the season. I think that's true, right? Am I correct that Florida State – do they go to Clemson? I might be – they might have to go to Clemson. Um, and if that's true, pull up that schedule for me, Jason Martin. I haven't I, – I can't remember right now. Yeah, it's at Clemson it's on at November Clemson. 11th. So they might be an underdog at Clemson. Maybe. We'll see what happens with Clemson. Still a relatively young team. Obviously, Deshaun Watson rotating off. We'll see whether or not they're favored on the road at Clemson. Otherwise, they would be favored in every game, including the ACC title game, the rest of the way. doesn't mean they'll win them, but it means they'll be favored. To me, Florida and Michigan is an unbelievably fascinating game. First of all, let's start with Michigan. Usually, if you are going to come in and be a dominant head coach, the second or the third year is when you make your statement about being dominant. So far, Jim Harbaugh is 20-6 and six in two seasons at Michigan. 20 wins, 6 losses. But, and this is important, but he has not finished better than third in the East of the Big Ten since he got to Michigan. There's been a lot of hype about how good Michigan's going to be, about how unbelievable the impact of Jim Harbaugh is going to be. And look, I don't deny it at all that Michigan is now a top 10 program But so far, he's not finished better than third in the Big Ten East. Jim Harbaugh right now, 20-6, 13-4 in the Big Ten, but he's lost at least two games in the Big Ten every season that he has been at Michigan. Back-to-back 10-3 seasons. All right, think about that. Larger context, back-to-back two lost seasons in the Big Ten. Meanwhile, Jim McElwain has gone... 19 and I believe he's gone 19 and 8. 9 and 4, 9 and 4. One game worse than Jim Harbaugh in both seasons. A lot of Florida Gator fans a little bit uncomfortable with what's going on with McElwain so far at Florida. He's won the East both seasons. He's gone 13 and 3 in the SEC. So Jim McElwain has had a better record in the SEC. And in fact, if you knock out the two SEC title games that he has lost, he's gone 10-4 and four and 9-4. and four. If you knock out the two SEC title games that he's lost, he would have effectively the exact same schedule, exact same record through two seasons as Jim Harbaugh. Right now, Michigan around a three-and-a-half or four-point favorite in this game that will be taking place, I believe, in Dallas, neutral site field there at Jerry World. 3.30 Eastern afternoon kickoff on Saturday. Think about what happens if Jim McElwain wins this game. First of all, it's a massive win for the SEC, right? For the depth of the SEC, if Jim McElwain and the Florida Gators can beat Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. Secondly, listen to Florida's schedule. If they get past Michigan, they play Northern Colorado win, They play Tennessee at home in Gainesville. Should be a win. They go to Kentucky. They have not lost to Kentucky in over 30 years. Should be a win. I think it's going to be a tight game, and I might well gamble on Kentucky to cover, but I'm not going to bet on Kentucky to beat Florida for the first time. And Jason Martin, check and see how many years in a row that's been. That's the longest 
yearly win-loss streak in college football right now. I think it's like 34 years, something like that, between Kentucky and Florida. I don't think they've beaten Florida since 1986. I think I'm correct in that, which would be 32 years or whatever. Look up how many years it's been since they – so I I feel good about the Gators in that game. I got it. How many years? 30 years. 30 years in a row. So the last time that they lost, I'm right, 1986? Um, It's like 87. 87 was the last time Kentucky beat – that's a crazy stat. 1987 was the last time Kentucky beat the Florida Gators. It's right. the fifth. It's the fifth longest consecutive win streak in history between one school and another school. And it's the longest. Let me see. That's a good question. How many of those can I get? I think that the longest streaks ever. I think Nebraska won like forty in a row over Missouri. Is that in there? Uh, it's close. Nebraska beat Kansas thirty-six times in a row. Missouri's in there too, isn't it? Didn't Nebraska beat Missouri that many uh, years? Uh, that was twenty-four times. All right, twenty-four times. Um, let's see other other longest winning, longest running win streaks. Got is Kansas in there multiple times? Oklahoma had to Probably. beat Kansas a lot of games. Um, not in this particular list. Oklahoma's in here a couple of different times on the winning side, but not against Kansas. Who's worse than that? I can't even imagine. So who are the? What's the longest right. streaks? Notre Dame and Navy forty three times. Yeah, I remember that. That was sixty four to 06. Nebraska yep. Kansas we just mentioned was thirty six. Oklahoma and Kansas State was thirty two times. That was nineteen thirty seven to sixty eight. And then Penn State and Temple thirty one times. That ended in twenty fourteen. Okay. Um, so you look at that situation consecutive years the longest consecutive win streak currently existing so I'm saying why this could be big for Florida if they beat Michigan they're going to beat Northern Colorado I think they'll beat Tennessee I think they'll beat Kentucky they'll beat Vanderbilt then LSU comes to Gainesville that's the game that they gave up uh that they uh that they gave up over the hurricane then Texas A&M comes to Gainesville I think there's a very good chance that if Florida beats Michigan they will be sitting at 7-0 and with their bye week arriving, and then they'll be going to the cocktail party against Georgia with a chance to win the SEC East effectively because then they close with at Missouri should be a win, at South Carolina should be a win, UAB, and then they get Florida State and Gainesville. So you look at this schedule, Florida, I mean, the University of Florida only really has for their road games at Kentucky – at Missouri, and at South Carolina. If they can beat Michigan, Florida is a legitimate national title contender. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be great. I'm not saying they're going to be extraordinary. But you look at this schedule. I like to look at schedules and see whether or not teams can get on a roll. If Florida beats Michigan, I think they will be 7-0 and waiting on their bye week against Georgia. Because again, the only road game they play in those next six games are at Kentucky. They got five games in Gainesville. And then in the second half of their season, at Missouri, Missouri's not going to be very good. And at South Carolina, Gamecocks are going to be improved. But I still see Florida as having a legitimate chance to be undefeated with Florida State coming to town. It would be back back in the day, top matchup against Florida State. All right, so that's that's the argument for why this game is massive for Florida. For Michigan. So look at Michigan's schedule. They open with Florida, and then it gets insanely easy. Cincinnati, Air Force, at Purdue, 
Michigan State at Indiana. Tell me that Michigan is not going to be 6-0 and going to Penn State on October 21st if they beat Florida. I don't think there's any doubt. Then they go to Penn State. They handled Penn State this past year. Penn State's going to be good. That's a tough game, no doubt. Then they get Rutgers and Minnesota in the big house. They'll win both those games. At Maryland, they'll win it. And then they finish with two really tough games. At Wisconsin and against Ohio State in the big game. But if Michigan beats Florida, then they're in a great shape. Whoever wins this game is going to be a national title contender, in my opinion. Whoever loses this game, yes, the, the schedule is still somewhat favorable early on, but the bloom's going to be off the Jim Harbaugh Rose if he loses to Florida. Because then you look at this schedule and say, man, they have to go to Penn State, they have to go to Wisconsin, and they have to play Ohio State. Even if they went 2-1 and one in those games, which would be a great situation, they'd still have two losses. Makes it a little bit hard to think about getting into the playoff. Moreover, Jim McElwain would effectively, at that point in time, be 20-8, and eight, and Harbaugh would be 20-7. and seven. I know they played in a, in a bowl game, but effectively you'd have to say that McElwain had done the exact same thing at Florida that Jim Harbaugh has done at Michigan except he's actually won his division twice. Would we have to take a step back and say, man, we drastically overrated Jim Harbaugh and drastically underrated Jim McElwain? I think that's true. I think this is a massive swing game for both programs, big, strong, branded programs, Florida and Michigan, two of the top 10 teams, I think, certainly, in the country when it comes to their programs. But a big verdict coming on Jim Harbaugh and Jim McElwain. Which of the Jims has their program in better shape in year three? Harbaugh wins. You feel good about his chances to contend for a Big Ten championship and also a national championship. McElwain wins. You feel good about his chances to win the SEC East for a third straight year. I think that's going to surprise a lot of people. I think when when you hear that Jim Harbaugh is 20-6, and six, and that Jim McElwain is 19-8, and eight, and if McElwain beats Harbaugh, they'll effectively have the same record at the start of their careers. I think that surprises a lot of people because everybody has praised Jim Harbaugh as modern-day second coming of Jesus for college football. Meanwhile, nobody is that impressed at all with Jim McElwain. All right, we got my guy Eddie Garcia out there. Eddie, did that surprise you? A little bit that Harbaugh and McElwain's records are that. I mean, effectively, if McElwain beats Harbaugh Saturday, they'll have the exact same start to their tenures at Michigan and Florida, except McElwain will have been more successful in winning his division. Uh, yes, that did surprise me. I, I did not know that. But I will say this, though, about the big Alabama-Florida State game. The Crimson Tide, hopefully they won't be looking past the Seminoles because the following week they'll play my alma mater, Fresno State, and I'm sure that'll be a very tough test for them. I don't think they'll be able to handle Fresno that, State, no doubt. It's uh, the real FSU, as you know. Yes. <laughs> Let's check in on some National League baseball from last night. The Brewers beat the Dodgers 3-2. to L.A. lost 2-3 to Milwaukee, and they lose a series for the first time since early June. Marlins beat the Padres 6-2. to Miami's Giancarlo Stanton hit his 50th home run of the year. He's got 17 homers this month. Phillies over the Cubs 6-3. Philadelphia rookie Reese Hoskins hit his 
fifth straight game with a home run. He's got 11 homers in his first 18 career games. Nobody's done that before. Doubleheader in D.C. Mets beat the Nationals 6-5 in Game 1. Game 2 goes to the Nationals 5-4. Dombeck shut off the Giants 11-0. Arizona gets a serious sweep of San Francisco. Rockies beat the Braves 3-0. Pirates over the Reds 5-2. The latest is brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience and one note from the nfl the cleveland browns named rookie deshaun kaiser as their starting quarterback clay that'll be the fifth starting quarterback for the browns in the past five years just to open up the season poor bastard brown fans i feel so bad for you guys now i'm rooting for deshaun kaiser but i would have loved to have seen odds on quarterback most likely to start the nfl season as a rookie I think Trubisky would have had to been up there even with the money that the Bears spent on Glennon. And by the way, Glennon looked really good against the Titans. Awful secondary. Dory Jackson getting lit up left and right. Uh, I think certainly there were a lot of people who believed that Deshaun Watson was going to be the next guy, right? Like Deshaun Watson was going to be this year's version of Dak Prescott. And maybe Mahomes, if there was an injury to Alex Smith, I think he was probably the least likely. What in the world's happened to Brock Osweiler? Made a lot of money, but he certainly is disappearing Thanks to my guy, uh, Eddie Garcia there. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Jason Martin, did I make a case for you that the uh, Michigan-Florida game could be more important for those two teams than for FSU-Bama? Even though FSU-Bama is the better game, I think both of those teams, FSU and Bama, are in the mix for the playoff regardless of what happens in this game. I think that one of these two teams, Michigan or Florida, could, if things went poorly in that first game, really kind of go off the rails this season. Whereas the team that wins, likely mid to late October, we're saying, hey, are they a dark horse to win the national championship? Yeah, well, you know, I actually agreed with you a few weeks ago when we first discussed this and you talked about it being potentially a referendum on Harbaugh, who's, you know, hasn't done maybe what some people expected. Now he's getting some of his kids in there. You're expecting them to do a little bit better. You did make a really good case. The only thing I would say is, because Alabama and Florida State are both teams everyone expects to be there at the end, you would have to assume that the loser in Atlanta has to run the table, most likely, to get where they need to go. I don't see a two-loss team in that situation unless it's a really awkward spot and nobody else has done anything to stand out to get there so that's the only thing I would say because I don't look at Florida and Michigan and see them in that final four nearly as clearly as I see Florida State and Alabama although Florida does have a shot they absolutely have a shot if they win so I think it's I think they're both enormous football games I think you you don't go wrong if you make either argument and I think your argument is is largely correct except for the idea that Alabama and Florida State both have at least a couple of potential pitfalls on their schedule that they're going to have to be really careful of. And if they've already got a one in that loss column, that makes that game and makes the rest of the season so much more important. Bama's going to be favored in every game they play yes. all year, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so I'm not really that concerned about Bama. I think they're still head and shoulders above everybody else in the SEC. I'm curious to see what Jalen Hurts is going to look like in year two. A lot of times that's where both in the NFL and in college football, you'll see the biggest jump in terms of uh, a quarterback's ability is the game slows down and that jump from year one to year two. I'm also curious, can Florida State protect DeAndre Francois from that Alabama defensive front, which has, in recent years, really put a lot of hits on quarterbacks? I mean, if Jimbo Fisher allows the number of hits 
that we saw DeAndre Francois take in big games last year. In this game, his quarterback won't finish won't finish the game. I mean, I don't think he can take the same kind of hits against this Alabama defensive front. Having said that, I really am intrigued by the uh, the referendum on Jim Harbaugh because I think a lot of people out there are stunned right now when I say effectively Jim McElwain and Jim Harbaugh, the two Jims, would have pretty much the exact same starts at their respective schools if McElwain pulled off a small upset here, right? They're a three-point underdog. If McElwain's Florida Gators get this win, he goes to 20-8, and eight, Jim Harbaugh goes to 20-7, and seven, and they're effectively the exact same coach, right? They'd be 1-1 one one head-to-head. Now, if Harbaugh wins again, I think they start off 6-0 and oh, and they're undefeated when they go on the road against Penn State. If McElwain wins, I think Florida is 7-0 and oh going into the cocktail party there in Jacksonville. And I think a lot of people out there listening right now are like, really? Even Florida fans who haven't exactly been enamored of Jim McElwain because they feel like he's kind of backed his way into the SEC's championship and because, frankly, Florida hasn't been very competitive against Alabama in those SEC title games. I mean, I think there are a lot of people out there saying, man, I didn't necessarily anticipate this. How? Uh, what about you guys out in L.A.? Is this something that you guys would have been in any way aware of, the Harbaugh versus McElwain comparison and the fact that they're roughly even? Hell no. No. Right? Because Harbaugh is this <laughs> luminescent star on the college football landscape. Everybody's like, man, Jim Harbaugh is unbelievable what he's done at Michigan. If McElwain beats him, they're effectively starting you know, their first two seasons in a game in the exact same place. That's amazing. I mean, most people know McElwain as the shark humper, right? I mean, really, nationwide, I feel like most people know Jim McElwain as the guy who was allegedly humping a shark in the offseason. Whereas Jim Harbaugh is up there, people say, okay, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, clearly the two best coaches in college football. My top four is obviously the four coaches who've won national titles in this order. Uh, Saban, Meyer, Dabo Sweeney, and Jimbo Fisher. That's my top four. I think a lot of people would agree with me out there, and I think a lot of people's number five would be Jim Harbaugh. Not my number five, but a lot of people's number five. And then Jim McElwain wouldn't even appear on most top 25 lists, yet if he beats Michigan, then all bets are off. And I think the bloom would effectively be off the Harbaugh Rose in Michigan. I don't think there's any doubt at all about that. All right, final segment, hour two. Let's get a little bit of Animal Thunderdome. I saw some crazy stuff. Prayers out for our group down in Houston. I started it off nine zero nine nine nine. Is that the uh, is that the text code, Jason Martin? Indeed, nine zero nine nine nine. If you can give to uh, the maybe one of the worst. I'm seeing the headlines now coming in. Maybe one of the worst flood stories in the history of the nation. Before all is said and done, a 1,000-year flood going on in Houston right now. Uh, Obviously, a lot of seriousness going on there. But I saw some crazy animal stories coming out of Houston uh, as the animals are in the flood water. I saw something that gave me nightmares. I'm not even kidding about this. Remember, I got attacked by fire ants the last time that uh, that I was down in Florida. And I saw a huge mound of fire ants just floating right in the flood waters. Terrifying. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk Animal Thunderdome. But again, if you can donate, 90999. Text message that to the American Red Cross. That's a $10 donation. If you can do it, do it. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkeep the Coverage. Animal Thunderdome up next on Fox Sports Radio. Michigan fans triggered on Twitter. 
their golden boy, Jim Harbaugh. How dare you say something other than he's the second coming of Jesus? Oh, man, they are triggered. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and, on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Shouldn't the, shouldn't the second coming of God have done better than finished third in the in the Big Ten East? Just a question for you. If this guy's unbelievable, if there's never been anything like him, shouldn't he have done better than third in the Big Ten East? Shouldn't he have been able to beat Iowa last year? Shouldn't he have been able to go on the road and beat a mediocre Iowa team? Isn't that a game that a really extraordinary coach should win? Nick Saban hasn't lost any games like that. He hasn't gone on the road and lost to a team like Iowa. I can't even think. It's been like seven years since Alabama even hardly lost a game on the road in the SEC. In all seriousness. The last time Alabama lost a game by more than seven points in the regular season was against South Carolina back in 2010. Ain't no way Nick Saban's taking an Alabama team into Iowa and losing like Jim Harbaugh did. He may not like the spot against Ohio State. Truth of the matter is, the reason why that mattered so much because of a crappy performance by your boys on the road against Iowa. People saying, oh, well, the SEC East is not very good. Jim Harbaugh, well, yeah. But remember, two of these losses from Jim McElwain are against Alabama in the SEC title game. Jim McElwain doesn't go to the SEC title game. He's got virtually an identical record already to Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh hasn't had to go to the Big Ten title game and play against anybody. Jim McElwain, 19-8. Jim Harbaugh, 20-6. All right, let's get a Thunderdome story. Uh, Let's hit the music, boys. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet from strict respect to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. All sorts of craziness from the floods in Houston. I have seen alligator pictures you guys have been sending me. I have seen snake videos. I have seen floating fire ants. It is hell in the water going on right now down in Houston. Maybe the worst flood in the history of the United States. That's the report, right? And so we wish all of you the Animal Thunderdome is real. Be careful out there. The waters are around you in Houston and in the state of Texas in general and it is going to be impossible to escape the animals. What you got Jason Martin? Out in anti-Chick-fil-A territory home of one Danny G. Coop and Eddie Garcia. A California couple summoned animal control to their children's backyard playhouse to remove 19 rattlesnakes. Oh, Amanda Friedrich of the College Heights neighborhood in Ridgecrest said she and her husband heard a rattling noise in their yard on Wednesday, initially thought it was a loose pipe until they spotted an adult rattlesnake poking its head out from their children's plastic playhouse. So they watched the snake guarded with a shovel waiting for animal control and then they realized that it was not alone they noticed one small baby in the play gym and then realized wait there's probably not just one they ended up capturing a total of 18 babies as well as the mother sidewinder rattlesnake 
in about an hour after animal control got there. The baby's a little bit small, but they're still rattlesnakes. And the mother was concerned because her child had been playing in that gym oh. like hours before this situation. And this is the part where I need clarification and maybe people to be fired. The officer said the snake family was released into the desert. Kill him. Outside the city limits. Yeah, kill him. I'm going to tell you this right now. First of all, what city is this? It's uh, it's Ridgecrest, California. Ridgecrest. Yeah, it, there's, us, a, Danny. there's a base out that way. It's basically in the middle of a desert. Why would you allow 19 rattlesnakes to go free? How about one? I, I mean, I mean, first of all, the baby rattlesnakes, in my understanding, is are some of the most dangerous snakes to get bitten by because they can't control their venom. So when they bite you, if a smaller rattlesnake, like a baby, bites you, it lets every bit of its venom go. So your the the severity, my understanding is of an of a baby rattlesnake bite is potentially even worse than an adult. But if you catch nineteen rattlesnakes, you know how many rattlesnakes you kill? Nineteen. 19. Yeah. I mean, it, the fact that you did not kill these rattlesnakes is where where is this? It's the middle of nowhere, desert California. Yeah, Ridgecrest, right? It, let's put it this way: it's it, it's the part of California's desert where it's one hundred and seven degrees by seven a.m. It's insane out that way. And so you see snakes out there all the time. Yeah. Well, you should have seen 17 or 18 less. Do you have a plastic playhouse at home? I, 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 do, I cannot even. Yeah, I do. I don't have you a plastic get rid one. Of it. But right, I've got good. A, That's good. I've got like a wooden playground for my kids in the backyard. Yeah, I'm not kidding. If I found out that there were 18 rattlesnakes under there, I think I would sell my house. I would too. According I don't know how to, they. I'm oh, sorry. According to Animal Control. Wooden play structures as opposed to hollow plastic playhouses don't give snakes an opportunity to make their way into tight spaces and nest. So, public service announcement here from Outkick to Coverage. If you have a plastic playhouse, might be time to uh, cut that beast and go with a wooden one. So you're in good shape, Clay. You're in better shape, certainly, than this woman and her 19 rattlesnakes in the same gym that her child was playing in like hours or a day before. This is, this is like nightmare fuel of a different level. I mean, I don't even know what I would do if I came out. And I, I mean, like, the, the thought, like, makes me, like, like hair stand up on my arms. Like, if suddenly I have a two-year-old, if my, suddenly my two-year-old is surrounded by 19 rattlesnakes, I just, I can't even imagine what that would be like. And I can't believe that they caught those snakes and then just released them into the wild. The only good rattlesnake is a dead rattlesnake. Again, I apologize for being a snakist, but I don't understand why America would be a worse place if there were no snakes. I think America would be a better place. My world, there's no snakes. Just telling you. Or mine. Final hour of the show. We'll reset all the big stories at the open. Then we're going to have Britt McHenry on to break down Game of Thrones' incredible Season 7 finale last night. She will be with us to answer all of our Game of Thrones questions and hopefully make the world a better place. And I guarantee you she agrees that all those snakes should be dead. I'm Clay Travis. This is Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Eventful weekend for sure as you start off your Monday with us. Thanks across the nation. We're again continuing to encourage you to donate $90999 to the Red Cross if you can text that. Houston, big part of the OutKick family and a lot of the areas in Texas that were affected are part of our crew as well. 
could be the most debilitating flood in the history of the nation. If you can, donate a little bit, 90999. Um, Huge stories over the weekend, Mayweather-McGregor. And we talked about this out of the open for a full hour. You can go download the podcast and listen to us talk about it more. One angle that I didn't think we hit. To me, Conor McGregor may be the first combat sports fighter whose record doesn't matter at all. Think about that. Do you even know what his record is? Mayweather owes almost all of his prominence to the fact that he is 50-0. and 0. If Floyd Mayweather was 46-4, and 4, most people wouldn't care about him at all. The reason why Floyd Mayweather is a story is because of the perfection of his record. The fact that he has fought 50 times and he has won 50 of those times. Can anybody even tell me what Conor McGregor's record is right now? Crickets, right? I mean, nobody I mean, I knows. I can't if I look it up. I, yeah, right. But I'm saying like off the top of the of the jump. The only other fighter I can think about in combat sports who had become such a story that people would watch him even despite the fact that his record was no longer perfect was Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's fighting Peter McNeely. People will watch. Mike Tyson is fighting Evander Holyfield. People will watch. He had become such a transcendent figure that people would watch Mike Tyson no matter what. But Conor McGregor's record legitimately doesn't matter. I mean, if he loses to Nate Diaz in this third kind of rubber, you know, breaking the uh, breaking the tie, they're tied up 1-1. If he loses the rubber match, people are going to watch Conor McGregor fight the next time. Ronda Rousey owed almost her entire record and interest to the fact that she was unbeaten. Once she lost once, people were like, okay, maybe it was a mistake. When she loses twice, her career is over. I believe Conor McGregor has now lost four fights. Three in MMA, I think that's correct, and one in boxing. So four total fights. You guys can look that up and confirm that he's lost four yes, times. that's correct. Okay, I bet almost no one out there knew what Conor McGregor's record was because he has managed to turn himself into such a story that even when he loses to Floyd Mayweather, he actually is going to make more money the next time he fights. Can you remember ever a time when someone lost – and did not have a perfect record that they stood to make more money in the future, right? If 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 Mayweather had lost to McGregor, he would have made a lot more money in the next couple of fights, right? Because he would have gotten an opportunity to tie, to get a rematch, and then they probably would have had a rubber match. That was why I didn't feel that comfortable betting on this. I told you, if you go back and listen to the tape, Mayweather is going to win unless the fix is in. The fix was not in. Mayweather wanted to be 50-0. and He made a lot of money. He's going to ride off into the sunset as the third overall sports billionaire Michael Jordan Floyd Mayweather and Tiger Woods are the only three athletes in the history of the world to become billionaires Michael Jordan Floyd Mayweather and obviously Tiger Woods who would have won a lot more only three athletes right now according to Forbes to have become billionaires based on their craft and Floyd Mayweather owes almost all of his status to the fact that he's 50 and 0. If he were 42 and 8, nobody would know his name. If he were 46 and 4, he'd be worth like 25 million dollars. Maybe more than that, but not a lot more than that. His perfection is his calling card for Floyd Mayweather. For Conor McGregor, it's just he's an entertainer. He's lost 4 times. Most of you didn't even know how many times he had lost before I asked this question and 
most of you agree with me that he was the bigger winner in this fight, even though he lost. Because he's only 28 years old and because he stands to make a lot more money in the future. Now, how many more years can he fight? I don't know. Certainly, I don't think Conor McGregor is going to be like Floyd Mayweather still fighting at 40 years old. I do think this year we're beginning to see that 40 years old and upper 30s is athletes are able to continue their play for longer, right? I thought Floyd Mayweather was slower than he was two years ago when he fought Manny Pacquiao. He took more hits from Conor McGregor. But if you look at Tom Brady turning 40, you look at Floyd Mayweather, Roger Federer just turned 36. Great story in the New York Times Magazine as he goes for his third major this year. We have extended the athletic range of high-level performance in the last 25 years, I believe. There's always been athletes who perform for a long time. I think the average athlete is going to be better longer. I'm 38, and I think I'm probably in better shape than the average 38-year-old was 40 years ago. And I think if I'm in better shape, that trickles up all the way to the flowchart to the guys at the very peak performance. So maybe McGregor is going to have a longer career. Maybe this speaks well for LeBron James, who's going to turn 33 this year. But in general, I think the big winner of last night's fi- of Saturday night's fight was Conor McGregor. I think he increased the amount of interest that people have in whatever he does next. And we were talking about this in hour one. I think Conor McGregor for the UFC has now ascended to the level of Tiger Woods in golf, Michael Jordan back in the day with the NBA. Relatively few people, The Rock, people were tweeting me, I should have said The Rock with WWE, guys who have become such superstars that they transcend their overall sport. Those four guys. Spring in the crew. Would you guys agree with me that those four guys in the modern era, certainly there have been other guys. Babe Ruth with baseball, I would say was one. Muhammad Ali with boxing. But I would say right now, those four guys are the ones that you would go to and say they have transcended their sport. In other words, Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. McGregor comes over to boxing and he's become such a luminescent star that his audience follows him. Michael Jordan, obviously in basketball, produced audiences that the NBA can't even produce now, even though there are tens of millions more people living in America now than there were in 1998 when Jordan hit that jumper against Brian Brian Russell. Right? Michael Jordan in the NBA, Tiger Woods in golf, bring in people who aren't even fans of the sport. Golf cannot touch the ratings that they produced with Tiger Woods, even though the depth of golf at the top right now is better than it's ever been before. Conor McGregor in the UFC and The Rock in WWE. Guys that transcended the overall sport that they were a part of. Those are the only four that I can really name. I think you're leaving out one NBA player, and you're you're going to moan and groan and oh, say, no. oh, no. It's not LeBron. No, 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 no. Think Imagine. of a guy I- internationally, Kobe Bryant. No, yes. this is the Lakers talking for you. No, Kobe no. is not bigger than the NBA. That's a ludicrous argument. He, that is that is such an L.A. No. argument that you just made. The only guy you could make that argument for right now is LeBron is bigger than the NBA, you could argue. I don't think it's true, but that's the only possible argument you can make other than Jordan. Get out of here, you Kobe Bryant, 
loser Laker fans. No. Doesn't matter what no. happens. Danny G's right. If you go to China, they yep. don't they don't give a crap about LeBron. It's all about Kobe. Stop. You know what? You know what? Stop with your Kobe talk. I will Kobe say talk. there's another Laker that you could put into that, and it's Shaq. Shaq is somebody that almost transcended basketball as well as an entertainer. Another guy that even at the tail end of his career when he couldn't even stay on the floor for four quarters playing for Cleveland or playing for Boston, Shaquille O'Neal is a larger-than-life, both literal and figurative personality. And I think you could maybe include him in this argument. No. Because right now, in order to include that person in the argument, like Shaq would have to have some sort of – like right now, the Jordan brand is the most valuable asset that Nike has. That's because Michael Jordan is still a transcendent, otherworldly brand outside of even his basketball playing days, right? The Jordan brand has transcended basketball. Shaq is on inside the NBA, and... And he hawks like 700 different products. I mean, he is a huge spokesman. Unsuccessfully. He is nowhere near... Like, I... Kobe is better than Shaq in terms of, like, these guys are out to lunch with their Kobe argument. Typical L.A. sports fans, doesn't matter what you say, like, who is the greatest human in the world? Some people out there are like, I don't know, maybe Nelson Mandela, maybe Martin Luther King Jr., maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know, whoever you want to name. Like, uh, the, the guy who invented, like, pasteurization, Louis Pasteur. The guy who ended smallpox, uh, like all these different people you could argue, and everybody in L.A. is going to be like Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant's the greatest human in the world. Like this is such a Kobe awful argument that only L.A. people – that's what I've been arguing for a while. Kobe Bryant and L.A. is the most delusional combination of city and fan and city and player that has ever existed. Like Kobe Bryant owns the city of Los Angeles – unlike any other athlete has ever owned a city when it comes to making dumb arguments about how important he is. Seriously, Kobe, Kobe Bryant could get elected. Like, Remember he used to have those elections in uh, Iraq where like Saddam Hussein would get like 100% of the vote and everybody would be like, man, it's amazing. You have to show up and you vote and like the, the, the voting total is like, they love Saddam Hussein here, they get 100%. Like, if Kobe Bryant ran for mayor of LA, he would get 100% of the vote. And it would be legal. It would be legit. People would be like, oh, Kobe's running. we got to vote for him. That's how delusional people are in L.A. in general. You guys can probably even defend fat Kobe Bryant. You see the pictures of him shirtless? Kobe got fat. Oh, he's Stop not playing. fat. Fat, fat Kobe. You like, what's your oh, favorite he could, Kobe? He fat could Kobe still or drop, skinny Kobe? He could still drop 81 on you today. Yeah, well, shoot 175 <laughs> times, though. Um, Afro Kobe is the best Kobe. Afro Kobe is the best Kobe, yeah. of course. You all have your favorite Kobe. It's like Barbie dolls. Everybody in L.A. <laughs> sitting there holding their Kobe Barbie dolls. All the different looks. Oh, I just got the new fat Kobe. It's awesome. I love fat Kobe. Um, so, uh, and by the way, Kobe, yeah, fat Kobe. Am I, is that body shaming? Should I be ashamed of myself? Um, so those four, can you name other than Kobe, which is an awful argument from the L.A. crew, and Shaq, which is an awful argument? That's is there not an awful guy? argument. I it's can't believe you're argument. not. How is that an awful argument? Dude had five rap records. He's in about 20 movies. He's done about 20 different television shows. He's, Kobe, I mean, he's been everywhere. You're telling me Shaq. that people around the world that don't care about basketball Jason, don't know who Shaquille O'Neal is Kobe, and see him Compared to the four guys that I gave you? Well, I'm saying those four guys were obvious, and you said, who else? And I said, well, you could make an argument that Shaq is right there. Okay, Shaq is not right there. He's way below those four. Anybody else? I don't think he's way below those four. I'm going to fight that argument. By the way, Jason, Kobe had had a rap record, too, with Tyra I know. Let's not even talk about that. But you could also say that together, Magic and Larry were 
the kind of the first ones that kind of came before Jordan. I'm not saying they're on Jordan's level, but I'm saying those two guys also almost transcended it in a lot of ways. People came to basketball to watch those two guys and their respective teams play against one another. But they don't exist outside of that. Well, that's fine. Now. I'm just trying to make an argument for other people because you said who else, and I'm like, all right, well, Shaq. Okay, and you but the, shot but that the, down the, because you're wrong, and no, you went with the wherever you went. What does Shaq make this year? Like twenty million dollars? I, mean, I don't know, Clay. I, I haven't talked to him lately. No, but you can look at the but man. Like I make it. Hold on a minute. This is just I was ridiculous fun of, that you don't I was see him fun as a big star. The Kobe crew. And I think that Jason Martin may have like 50 different Shaquille O'Neal pictures up in his house now. I'm He's not even a Shaq Shaquille fan. O'Neal with the magic. Like, do you go to bed at night with a Shaq poster no, on the he, ceiling above your no, bed? No, I actually thought Inside got worse when he got on the show because you can barely hear him, at least for the first few years. But like, and, and Inside's my favorite show in all the sports, but he's a gigantic star, like, there's no possible right way to deny that. Yeah, he's still a no. huge star. When you see Shaq, Shaq is, still makes money for just about anybody that uses him. Jason, are you wearing one of his back patches right now? <laughs> I have no Shaquille O'Neal merchandise. I was never a particular fan of a, his. I just recognize his brand and how much he's been able to do in his life. He's, he's like huge. Brett, he's like Brett Favre. He's got oh a bunch of God. crappy no, brands that he had. Like you got just Icy Hot or you just lathered up right now in Icy Hot like Shaquille O'Neal. That's what he does, right? Icy hot. If you, here's an easy answer: If I you're doing gold, icy man. hot commercials, you do not transcend your sport. All right. If Conor McGregor comes out and does icy hot commercials, and I'll be like, "Oh my god!" Let me dude. ask you a question. You said Mike Tyson, right? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Boxing. Okay, for a little while, right? Yes. So you're saying Shaq didn't at any point transcend basketball? No. What, what is no Mike way. Tyson known for now? He's known for doing the Hangover and doing Mike Tyson's mysteries on Cartoon Network. Mike like he Tyson, does a few spots Mike here and there. How Tyson. much money is he drawing for people since 1998 when he was at WrestleMania? That was the last time he really drew money for anybody. Mike Tyson was so much bigger than Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal was a, for a really of short time, Clay. Really, for a really short, time. short time for about 20 years. Shaq Mike was Tyson. one of the biggest stars, biggest celebrities in the world when he Shaq was playing in both even, Orlando and how LA. How many years was Shaq the best player in the NBA? How many did he win? A lot two longer MVPs? than Mike Tyson was the best did Shaq win, boxer. Did Shaq win two MVPs the same number as Steve Nash? Well, Steve Nash should not have won either one okay, of those over Shaq. Shaq had what two MVPs? That's probably right. I'll have to look it up. All right, if you he's are, a three times Finals MVP, four times champion. Uh, yeah, most valuable player, like you said, fifteen time All Star. I mean, he had everything, but it was what he was doing off the court. I mean, he was everywhere. He became Shaq, the face of a brand. Shaq, it didn't stick like Jordan, but his Reebok brand was Shaq gigantic. Is, his Reebok brand was gigantic. Reebok. If you don't think he's a star, like this is the worst argument I think you've ever made. No, it's not. And even you've made close. some bad arguments. He's not even. No, I'm not saying he's not a star. I'm saying that he does not transcend his sport. Nowhere near it. Like if you want the best argument, I think outside of the four guys that I named. Again, the four guys that have transcended their sport. I think Conor McGregor transcends UFC now. I think that certainly Michael Jordan transcended basketball. You go look at the ratings, and they have never remotely approached what Michael Jordan was able to produce in basketball. He brought in people who didn't care about basketball at all. You go look at the ratings for Shaq. He was on the team with Kobe, and nobody watched those Laker teams at the same level that they did the Jordan-era Bulls. Certainly... Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who's 25 to 1, by the way, to get elected president in 2020. So he is uh, at a high level. And then the uh, the fourth guy, Tiger Woods. There's no doubt that for him, he transcended golf. I think probably 
you could argue if you wanted a fifth, you could probably argue, although the sport is so big, it's hard to transcend it. I think you could make an argument for Messi or Ronaldo, maybe David Beckham on the outside as guys who were so big in soccer that they became major brands outside of that. I mean, how many pictures have you seen of Ronaldo shirtless, Beckham in the underwear ads, Messi as just like this crazy Argentinian, incredible wonderkind, all of those things. I think probably the fifth guy would be those, but I think it's hard to transcend soccer because it's such a global sport. We certainly have never had anybody in America who's come close to transcending soccer. Maybe Pujasek, whose name I can't even pronounce, has that potential to be that in America. But that is that situation. All right, Britt McHenry is next. And we're going to stick with her for two segments because Jason Martin's incredible defense of Shaquille O'Neal as he sits there in his 1994 Orlando Magic boxer shorts has been way beyond the pale, so we had to put him in his place here. Britt McHenry up next talking about Game of Thrones. But first, I have to tell you guys all about who? Who do I have to tell you all about? I've got to tell you all about my friends at Dollar Shave Club. They are the smarter choice. Get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. Awesome life hack, no-brainer choice. You no longer have to schlep to the store to go buy a cheap disposable razor that gave you a cheap shave or spend a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving tech you don't need. And when I use my DSC Executive Razor with their Dr. Carver Shave Butter, the blade just gently glides along my neck, giving me such a smooth shave. Their Dr. Carver Shave Butter is transparent for a more precise shave, helps prevent ingrown hairs, and fights razor bumps. You too can make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their own, Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month back, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of their Shave Butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. No hidden fees, no commitments. Cancel anytime you like. You can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. Yo, yo, it's like this. Uh, what I live for? Basketball, beats and bras. From Italy to the U.S. Yes, it's raw. I'm in search for the one to make my wealth feel poor. Who can ignore the spotlight life of grandma? Am I dumb for? Have I found the oars? Should I search still? There's plenty of women with sex appeal when it's filled. Can they complete the package? All I date is actresses to play it safe. The milk. Kobe Bryant, greatest rap album of all time, if you ask everybody who lives in L.A. I mean, this is so bad. Man, that's bad. They should have had him rap in Italian. Evidently, that's hot now. Desposito, you just speak in a different language. People have no idea what you're saying, but they love it. Great news. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. God, that's an awful song. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Lots of people uh, still reacting to what we were just talking about. We're going to talk to Britt McHenry here about Game of Thrones here momentarily. I think if you had to pick somebody in football, because my argument for why nobody transcends football is because football's so big that you become a star as soon as you get good at it. For instance, Dak Prescott, if you were an SEC football fan, you knew him at Mississippi State because he played for four years. But if you didn't pay attention to college football, then he was kind of a blank slate when he got to the Cowboys. By like six games into his Cowboy career, he's a nationwide superstar. Because the NFL makes everybody care immediately 
but then it doesn't necessarily have guys who, after they leave the NFL, everybody cares about them. So I would say right now, if you had to pick somebody, you would say Brady and Manning in football. But I would say, and that's assuming you don't count OJ for the murder, because certainly OJ's murder transcended football and made him a, a superstar. But I'm talking about just on the field. I think Peyton Manning is bigger than Brady off the field. Don't you agree with that in general? Like, if you had to pick somebody who is transcended football, Manning is bigger than Brady off the field. Because Brady, I think, is better on the field. But Peyton Manning has been better at sort of defining his brand off the field than Tom Brady has been. Brady, for a long time, really didn't open up. Now, when he got married to Giselle, he started to open up more and share parts of his life. But I still feel like, even though Peyton Manning hasn't shared that much of his family life, his role as a pitch man, I mean, there's talk that maybe he's going to run for the Senate. Like Peyton Manning, I could see one day ending up president of the United States. Really, ridiculously. I mean, if I had to, and I think he might do a pretty decent job of it. But I can't see Brady ever doing that. Does that make sense? Like, I, I think Brady versus Manning, I think Manning more transcends football than Brady does. That makes it's, it's an interesting question. I think in general, it's hard to find anybody in football who transcends the sport. Let's bring in Eddie Garcia. Go ahead. What do you think, Eddie? What do you, who, if you had to pick somebody in football who transcends the sport, who would you pick? Well, I, I, I actually would go Tom Brady because of the Giselle factor. I think that makes him a little bit more popular with people who may not know football than others. He's a good-looking guy. A lot of ladies know him from that. So, uh, What do you think about Jason Martin's Shaq argument? Well, um, I don't know if I'd go Shaq, but I would go Shaq over Kobe if I had to choose between those two. So, I would go Kobe over Shaq. All right, what you got for us? Who won some baseball games? Uh, National League Brewers beat the Dodgers 3-2. to two. L.A. dropped 2 of 3 to Milwaukee, so they lose a series. The first time that's happened since early June. Marlins beat the Padres 6-2. to two. Giancarlo Stanton from Miami had a home run his 50th of the year. He's got 17 this month now. Phillies beat the Cubs 6-3. Philadelphia rookie Reese Hoskins hit his fifth straight game with a home run. He's got 11 and 18 career games. No one's done that before. In a doubleheader in D.C., the Mets win game 1-6-5. Nationals come back for a 5-4 win in the second game. Diamondbacks shut out the Giants 11-0. Arizona gets a series sweep. Rockies over the Braves 3-0. And the Pirates down the Reds 5-2. And Clay, the Cleveland Browns named rookie Deshaun Kaiser as their starting quarterback for week one against the Steelers. He'll be the 27th different starting quarterback for the Browns since they returned to Cleveland in 1999. Poor bastards. That's all I got to say it's about only 27. Only 27. Good stuff, my man. Did you watch Game of Thrones last night? I don't have HBO. What? Good Lord. What are you doing with your life? I've, there's already, I've got, there's too much TV. I can't watch it all. <laughs> I've got Netflix. I, I think the shows are there. Brit, let's, let's bring in Britt McHenry here because I, I can't imagine a more, dis- get out of here. Get out of here, Eddie. <laughs> Just get out. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Britt, I'll start with this. You covered the NFL for a long time. I've been making the argument that there are four athletes who have transcended their sport, right? Mm -hmm. That they are so massive that what they do doesn't matter. Conor McGregor, I would argue, with the UFC is one. He can come into boxing, create a huge sell. People care about him. Tiger Woods in golf. Michael Jordan in basketball, and The Rock with WWE slash wrestling. In other words, all four of those guys have existed and could exist outside of their primary sport as the luminescent superstars. Anybody in football, I think it's Brady or Manning, and my argument would be Manning. Anybody else that you would think makes sense there? 
I have to agree with you on taking Peyton Manning over Tom Brady in terms of any sort of work that would make an int- an impact in the community. Uh, I don't know. You know, Peyton Manning is very careful with his image. I don't know if in reality it's, it's that perfectly uh, taken care of and insulted as he, <laughs> as he I think Peyton have. Manning has, like a lot of people, a few skeletons in his closet, right? But I think in yeah. general, like, you know, it, it, he's not going to get Tiger Woods now. I don't think so. But Tiger Woods, people, like, for most of his life, right? Like Michael Jordan certainly was not, like, the, the perfect family father figure, perfect husband. And he got away with it because we had that different lifestyle that we were willing to accept back then. Now, like, the disconnect between public and private gets blown up a little bit more. Yeah, and, and Michael Jordan also had the benefit that there was no internet or social yes. media. So he literally controlled the media. It's fascinating because I've, I've read a lot of books on him. Who doesn't love Michael Jordan? And he, he truly controlled the message in Chicago because he wouldn't talk to you. He did that to Sports Illustrated and a few other outlets especially Sports Illustrated when they ran that huge article about him uh, going to baseball. He never spoke to them again. Never spoke to them again. You know what I just thought of when you were mentioning that? An athlete that's really intrigued me, or former athlete, in terms of the shift in public perception has been A-Rod. Yeah. Because it was just a few years ago where he was suspended, wasn't talking to anybody, was was sort of blackballed from society, and now you see him – at the fight with Jennifer Lopez on his arm, on a plane with Robert Kraft. <laughs> he's, he's doing a great job as an announcer at Fox. So I think that shift has impressed me as well, that he's really sort of transcended baseball now, past post-baseball. By the way, I don't understand how it's possible, but how is J-Lo still so incredibly good-looking? Like when they put her on the screen during the Mayweather-McGregor fight, she's <laughs> as hot now as she was 20 years ago. Is that just incredible genes? Is that incredible? Like my wife said, oh, no, she's been having work done on her for a long time. And that may well be true. But it usually when people have work done, like you can see them. Like I went, I went and saw Britney Spears, right? And I got my mm-hmm. picture taken with her. And Britney Spears is not that old. She's like you know, 33, 34, whatever she is. But like you can tell that she's had substantial work done. When I yeah. see J-Lo, she doesn't look like she's had stuff done at all. I mean, what do you think's going on there? How is she so perfect still? I think she has great genes, and I think that she's probably lived a healthier lifestyle. She was a little bit older when she got really famous, at like yeah. 28. So perhaps like she got, she went through that childhood rebellious stage that Britney Spears went through, but without all the money and resources in the world to really go hard at it. So I think that it's it's a combination of all those factors. I agree with your wife, though. I mean, how do you look that great? <laughs> Without I mean, she's like 45 anything. years old, right? I mean, how old is J-Lo now? She's, I mean, she's not yeah. that far from 50. Yeah, uh, yeah, she might even be higher than 45. I, she's like the Bob Costas of music. <laughs> she doesn't age. <laughs> I mean, she's amazing. Um, and so I, I'm actually curious. Somebody look up how old Jennifer Lopez is. She's 48. Is, right? 48? That's My insane. God. I mean, that isn't – but there's a couple – like, and obviously – I do think that women are better looking now than they ever have been before. Like, every mm-hmm. woman that, like, my wife is friends with, like, they're all smoking hot moms. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, but I don't remember moms being as good looking when I was a kid. 
right? Like women are a lot better looking now than they're like, they're in better shape. Like they all work out better. They eat healthier and everything else. Like this kind of ties in with my theory that, you know, Tom Brady's 40, but if you, but if you saw Tom Brady out at the bar, how old would you think he was? If you had never uh, heard of him before, like he looks like a 33 or 32 year old yeah. guy, right? Yeah. Early thirties. Right. I mean, there's no way you would think he was 40 in Mayweather. Mayweather fought last night. And I mean, he fought at his lowest weight. Like, if you saw Floyd Mayweather out, you wouldn't think, I don't believe, that he's 40 years old. I mean, people are able to take care of their bodies better. And Federer's 36, and he may well win the U.S. Open. Like, it's a different universe and world now than maybe it was even 20 or 30 years ago. I mean, maybe J-Lo's in an aberration, but 48-year-old women, like, I mean, that's unbelievable for her to look like she does at 48. Jason Worth, too, the national outfielder, is 39 yeah. Someone pointed that out to me the other day, how he might get one more year once the season's done or he's pushing for it. And I, and he looks younger. And no he's doubt. played that way when he's healthy, so it's incredible. All right, we're talking to Britt McHenry, and last night was the Game of Thrones finale, uh, episode seven of season seven. And it was pretty incredible. All right, so mm-hmm. on the hotness scale, how uncomfortable were you? Spoiler alert, spoiler alert out there for everybody who might not have watched it. Uh, how uncomfortable were you with the sex appeal versus the recognition that while they had sex for the first time, Daenerys and Jon Snow, a.k.a. Aegon Targaryen, were actually aunt and nephew having sex? Did that impact? Like, were you cringing when you watched that scene? Because they revealed the incest definitely as they hooked up for the first time live on air. I think it would be different if, A, we weren't already used to it in the show, and B... (laughs) Um, those two actors respectively have become so big both on the show and outside of it that I just looked at it more through that prism of these are just two really famous actors and characters that we've been rooting for. I actually probably going to sound like a creep right now. I was kind of disappointed with that. You wanted it to be sexier. Like when, like more like, yeah, more sizzle there. Yeah. Like the, the gray worm, (laughs) scene was way longer and this is like again the two favorite characters of the show it just it sort of fast forwarded through a huge buildup we all expected but you could say that as we've talked about many times the past couple weeks quite about the entire season is it's just fast forwarding through stuff that is so good (laughs) it's really bothering me Britt McHenry calls in wanted a longer sex scene between Daenerys and uh, Jon <laughs> yeah. Snow. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> the uh, the situation in general. So it was an incredible episode. I am arguing that even though I love him, and even though he has become an instrumental part of the show, there are two things that I would like to have seen in this episode that didn't happen last night. I would have liked to. I'm over Theon, right? Like I don't care yeah. about Theon's role. I wish that he had gotten killed in his fight with the uh, with the other Iron Islands people. And I think if Cersei had killed Jamie last night when she said, like, no one walks away from me or whatever, and then she allows him to walk away from her, if she had had the mountain kill him right there, that would have been an oh-my-God moment like when Ned Stark got decapitated at the end of Season 1 and we would have entered Season 8 then like, oh, my God, all bets are off, no one is safe. As is... I feel like the major characters are safe because we haven't had somebody significant die in years and stay dead. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, It would have been really unexpected and really poignant if they did that. I think that's reflective of, again, the the show being past the books now. 
Um, I didn't. I didn't think about that. It, it was a powerful scene. I, I still think that Jamie's going to be the one who's going to kill Cersei, though. I agree with He's that. Down. Yeah. So I think they wanted to create a scene of tension to foreshadow that. But we, we can continue to say, I just love the scene with Tyrion and Cersei. Oh my god, it was so good. Those those two actors are so incredible. There are very few people on on television that could pull off that scene at the the, the way that they did it. I mean, it was just flat out phenomenal. Yeah, so so that that was a highlight and an underrated part of the finale for me. I also think and I don't know why, but it just stood out to me when Daenerys and John were in the dragon pit and Daenerys went on her little speech about how the Targaryens were nothing without the dragons, how they put them in captivity, and once they lost the dragons and they were extinct, they lost their their throne, essentially. I just have this feeling that the show is going to end, and no people listening, I I, I really don't know at this point, but it's just a gut feeling that somehow she will get pregnant, and it will be the the heir to the throne, the true king will be their child. And it's going to fast-forward to that, and I have a feeling that Drogon will be the last dragon standing with their child. <laughs> Do you think that that's too happy of an ending for Game of Thrones? See, my, my, my feeling in general is that we have seen so much off, so many awful things happen that having something positive like that happen, like I just don't necessarily buy into the fact that George R. R. Martin and Game of Thrones creators are going to give us a happy bow on the happily thereafter segment, right? I feel like something mm-hmm. dark has to be coming. It, I, and that's a good point. If it is, if it is that way, or a more positive ending, it's going to be at the hands. Like just when you think it's going to be perfectly wrapped up, Daenerys will be killed, or something. There has to be some huge upsetting element to the show if it if it ends that way. But at this point, I think we're in no man's land. Nobody really knows. We're past the books. I've been searching for leaks everywhere. <laughs> right. I don't know. So um, how else do you think it could end? Well, see, here's what I find unfulfilling about this season. I thought the whole season was phenomenal, and I really enjoyed it. But my biggest issue is not nothing with the dragon, the ice dragon, makes sense, right? The more I think nothing. about the plot associated yeah. with it, the only reason— So the biggest flaw that I see right now is that if Jon Snow had never cared about the White Walkers at all, they would have been better off because they would not have been able to get across the wall, right? Unless there's some other way they could get across the wall. So his decision to go try to capture a White Walker to bring it back to convince people was an entirely created plot point to allow the White Walkers to get an ice dragon, right? Which then allows them to bring down the wall. So for me, the flaw here is I need to, like, there's no reason for, if they had never cared about the White Walkers at all, then theoretically south of the wall, everybody would have remained safe because they would have never been able to bring the wall down without the ice dragon, right? And so mm-hmm. that, to me, is a huge flaw that I have a big issue with associated with the plot points of Season 7. I think what George R. R. Martin did such a good job was the first several years of Thrones, everything tied together perfectly because he spends years writing these meticulously planned books. I yeah. think they've rushed through this now, and the plot points just don't tie together. It's true. Um, I, I like it. Just bothers me with that dragon. I tweeted that last night because seriously, how would they have gotten past the wall? I mean, they had no way to get through it. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think about what else stood out to me 
in that episode, of course, Arya and Sansa now and, and, and Bran, like, that's a trio you don't want to mess with. <laughs> yeah, and Littlefinger finally ran out of words. I thought the way that Arya killed him was fantastic. Um, but in general, I like, I'm excited for season eight, uh, but uh-huh. I'm not sure exactly whether I trust the final vision because this one was not as expertly crafted as prior seasons have been. No, and everything with travel doesn't yes, make didn't sense. Yes, didn't make sense has been really accelerated, um, but it just, it was so good. I can't believe we have to wait another year now. <laughs> at least, at least another year. Britt, we will talk to you soon. We need to get you on weekly. Are you willing to come on with us weekly while you... Sure. Uh, can... All right, we'll try to get you on weekly for sure here. Call. Go follow Britt on Twitter. Thank her for waking up early with us and breaking down Game of Thrones. Final segment of the show next. I'll bring in the crew except for Eddie Garcia, who doesn't have HBO. That's one of the worst admissions on the show since Jason Martin admitted he hadn't had sex in six years. Final segment of the show up next on Fox Sports Radio. Who is this? Is This, this is Big Shaq. Shaq. I thought so. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for. Jason Martin just took his pants off. Uh, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. One of my favorite guys now is anti-Game of Thrones guy. Like, why? It's, it, I don't hear anybody else argue against things that are insanely popular more than anti-Game of Thrones guy. Like, why do you need to be defined by saying what somebody else should like? Right, I don't think very often on this show I come on and say, "Hey, what you like sucks. You shouldn't like that." Can you think of anything where I've come on the show in a year and been like, "Hey, you know that thing that you like? It sucks. You shouldn't like that." I don't do that because I don't get to experience all the things that I like now. Right? Once you become a parent, you have less time. There are tons of shows right now lined up on my DVR that I want to watch that I don't have the time to watch. So I very rarely come on this show. In fact, I don't know that I ever have and said, hey, you know that thing that you love? It sucks. Can you guys think of anything where I've come on? I've been like, hey, this thing that you like, it sucks. Anti-Game of Thrones guy needs to get a life. First of all, you should watch it because if you like sex and violence, you probably would like this television show. Secondly, why do you feel the need to tell other people that what they like sucks? Like, I don't get that hater element of life right now. There's always the hater generation. Can you think of anything? I mean, I mean this honestly, that I have come on. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm curious. I'll talk about it tomorrow because I'm kind of fascinated by it. Is there anything where I've come on and I've been like, hey, this thing that's popular sucks and you shouldn't do it with your time? Now, I, I can't think of anything that where you've done that, Clay, and, I, and I'm glad you brought this point up because I was just bringing this up to Danny G earlier tonight. There's a host on our network. I, I'll leave his name out. But I saw a tweet come out last night. It just said, I've never seen Game of Thrones. Good night. I hate those tweets. Oh, I, yeah, saw like, that. I saw that last like, night. There's you, a guy like, that, yeah, that's If awful. you did the same thing about the NFL, like let's say you didn't like football. If you're like, when people are all talking about football and you're like, I, I've never watched the NFL. Good night. People would be like, man, like you're kind of a, kind of a pussy I have somebody willow, that did right? that. I have a friend that actually did that. You know, I kind of did it on the Eclipse on Monday. For some reason, I felt like being sarcastic that day. It's awful. It's just like, look, let people like what they want. You like what you want. Stay in your lane. Nobody cares about your little you take, can say something's whether you over- like it or not. You Who can cares? say something's overrated, right? Like, rating things is fine. Like, I think, like, I thought the Eclipse was overrated, right? But I experienced it, and I watched it, and I didn't think it was that enjoyable. Like, you could have called in today and said, like, Mayweather McGregor was overrated. But you're not going to be like, don't watch boxing. Why are you wasting your time watching MMA? 
why you're wasting your time watching football. Why are you like let people spend their time in ways that they would like. This is going to be the most watched Game of Thrones will be the most watched show on television other than the NFC and the AFC championship games until those air in January. Crazy. Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.